Hey everybody, welcome to Kidding Around. Once again, happy Friday to you. I'm Dr. Candace, and we're back with yet another episode. I think this is our fifth. I'm probably gonna keep counting until we get maybe till 10, because I'm still in a dream world that I'm able to do this and get more information out to you about kids' health. So we're just gonna start right off, but I do wanna say thank you for following me. Continue to follow, check out soundcloud.com forward slash Kidding Around with Dr. Candace. Follow me on Twitter, follow me on Facebook. You can link to those social media pages from the SoundCloud page. And don't forget, if you listen to the talk and you like it, hit the heart. That lets me know that you like it and it gives me feedback. And feel free to leave any comments on the talks as well. If you have questions for me or concerns or complaints, uh, you can email me, kiddingaroundwithdrcandice at gmail.com. Okay, we're gonna move on to our topic for today. We want to discuss with you guys how to have tough conversations with your kids, especially about their bodies and puberty. So this is not the sex talk, that's gonna come at another time. We do need to have that talk, but this is prior to that. They're growing bodies, um, and we'll get into those details, but it's still a tough conversation for a lot of parents. So we need to help you facilitate that because it has to be done. To help me with that discussion is Dr. Adams Pickett. She is a board certified OBGYN. She is an MD and a PhD, a doc times two. So she's a super doc. And she is in private practice, and her practice is Augusta Women's Health and Wellness Center in Augusta, Georgia. She is the author. The reason I picked her is because I came across her books. She is the author of Big Sis Guide to Growing Up and Buddy's Guide, Buddy's Big Guy Guidebook. That's a lot to say, but I think I got it right. Right, Dr. Adams Pickett? So help me welcome Dr. Adams Pickett. Thank you for coming on the show. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, and thank you for having me. Spend some time with you this morning. Awesome. So can you tell us what sparked your interest? What made you decide to write this book? Well, um, a few years ago, probably about eight years or so ago, when I first started my private practice, I had a significant number of um, interestingly, men who were raising their daughters, and they were just uncomfortable with approaching some of the changes that they were seeing in their little girls. The little girls were becoming women. I also noticed that um, often I was asked to speak to girl groups about the changes to their body, just the basics, hygiene, um, when is the time to start looking at undergarments, and most of the young ladies, they were um, in African-American communities, they were asking questions because their parents felt uncomfortable having that talk with them. For some reason, when we see our babies, it's hard for us to see young women. Um, so I decided to write the book because many, much of the literature that was already available for children making the transition were directed to older children, children at, at the ages of 12 to 13, that age range. But in the African-American community, 
puberty, our children tend to enter puberty a little earlier, usually around nine, um, some as early as eight. And found that those levels of literature were just much more advanced than they were prepared for. So I wanted to write something that was easy to read and easy to understand. Easy enough for, say, an eight or nine-year-old to understand and easy enough for their parent to review it with them um, and not feel as uncomfortable because it wasn't written at an educational level that was far beyond their current level. Um, the book took off. It was very well received. But the one question that I uh, encountered continuously was, I need something for boys. Do you have something for boys? because many of our single moms were raising little boys. And again, this was parts of the body that they weren't as familiar with in terms of introducing um, cleanliness and hygiene and, and the changes. So that prompted the second book, Buddy's Big Guy Guidebook. And the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive from both parents and children that it is something to read. It's lighthearted, it's funny, but informative. I tell you guys, you really have to get these two books, and we'll talk in detail about that towards the end. Um, but I really enjoyed them, and I was telling Dr. Adams Pickett that I had the books about a week, and I had some friends over, and their daughters just saw it on my son's book rack, and they had it in their hands. And I said, it's attractive to them. That just pulled them right to the book, and they had it looking in it going, look, Mom, look, Mom. And I would say they were around seven or eight. One was 12. And so it is absolutely something that the, the illustrations, the, the easy language for their age, like you said, is just amazing. So you have to get these two books, and we'll tell you how to do that towards the end. And I really appreciate you having this um, vision to do, do this, see the need, and have the vision to put the books together. So that is so awesome and um, good looking out because, uh, you know, one would say that a pediatrician probably should have put this together, but you had the vision and awesome that you did this because you can speak on it just as well as anyone. So you, you said something about mystery, stigma, taboo. Why is it? I, I don't get it. We see it all the time. We know it happens. But I just never understand why when we're talking body parts and development, kids automatically go into, ooh, ooh, ooh that's nasty. Ooh, oh, my goodness. And the parents are the same way. They just cringe and they start stuttering. They can't have the conversation. And I have so many parents just bring their kids into the clinic just for me to talk to them about her body's developing. Can you talk to her? Um, can you? And I'm like, you haven't had this conversation? Why, why are you not able to have this conversation? So what do you think, in your opinion, is the source or why we have such mystery and stigma and taboo about having this conversation with our kids? Well, I think for generations and generations, we have associated puberty with sexuality. Oh, my God. Amen. We have. And the problem is, just as our, the parents that are uncomfortable now, their parents were uncomfortable with them, and so on and back. And it's up to us now to kind of break that, to be very matter-of-fact about the changes that are happening to the body, as matter-of-fact as we would be about our children growing taller each year. 
we don't get squeamish when we see that our children now need a larger pair of shoes. We don't become uncomfortable when we see that their pants are a little shorter this year than they were last year. We need to be as pragmatic and matter of fact about the other changes to their body as well. And I always encourage parents to have the discussion long before there's a need for the discussion. Absolutely. So you mentioned that your nieces and, and their friends were around the ages as young as seven. Yes. Six or seven. Frankly, that's when you should you should start as early as then or maybe even earlier when they're yes. younger. You start making sure that they can identify their anatomical part. Yes. Reproductive part with the proper language. You know what? You know what, Dr. Adams Pickett? I have a question about that. Can we pause right there? Sure. Because I, I actually want you to step people through that, but I wanted to ask one question before we go to that, that um, discussion. You mentioned that our kids, African-American kids, kids of color, seem to be developing earlier. And can you uh, speak to why we think that is? and why it's important, like you were just about to say, to start the, dis the discussion earlier. Is there anything we can do to kind of keep that from happening, or is this something genetic? Um, I'm not so, so certain that it's genetic, but I do feel that there are environmental factors. There you go. Really likely, for the most part, are beyond our control. Um, I feel that some of the hormones that are in our food sources are contributing to early puberty development. Um, I feel that you know some of the um, fat intake in our diet in the American diet, um, yes. particularly in the African American community, is contributing to early puberty development. Um, but we're talking about at that point doing a drastic overhaul in all of our environmental influences. And I don't think we necessarily have control over most of them. Yes, that's right. Except for where there is diet and exercise, because we know that uh, fat intake, um, being overweight and obesity, oh, being overweight and obese can contribute to your insulin levels, which are growth factors. Um, so again, that plug is diet, exercise, making sure your body mass index, your weight is in the proper range. And that may be contributing to some of this early development and also the foods that we eat. So we do need to watch all of these hormones and different things that are being put in foods. If people can afford to, or just trying as much as you can to eat organic and, and things of that nature. And outside of that, if it happens earlier, that's fine. Like you said, it may be seven or eight. Um, and, and, and whereas some other children, it's a range, may not start to develop until 10 or 11. And so your pediatrician will help you know if that's abnormal or not. So ask that question. You have someone to go to. And if they feel like this is happening too early, which is called pre precocious puberty, we have specialists to send your child to for that. But there again, you still have to recognize what's going on with your child's body and talk to them about that. Absolutely. So now my question is, what age, you were about to say it, and I said, no, <laughs> what age to start the body talk? I feel that when we are bathing them as toddlers, we 
should identify the parts of their body. When we're bathing them, say, I want to make sure that you, you clean appropriately, clean well in the vagina. Um, or when we're potty training our little boys, we tell him, well, be careful to point your penis in the pr proper direction so that they know that these are the proper terms. They become familiar with those terms. And in terms of the changes that they, that they will encounter with these body parts, you know, we shouldn't be as shy with our children, say with our girls, when we are, are about to, say, wash our lingerie, or we're about to purchase um, our foundation garments. We talk about, well, this is a bra, and one day you'll have to wear one just like mommy. One day yours, you will have a chest area that looks like mommy's, and you'll have to wear one of these. Just incorporate it into your everyday conversation. When um, we're shopping for our sons in the athletic store and we see an athletic cup and we point that out, we say, well, your penis becomes more sensitive as you grow older and you will notice that, so we will be prepared for that. And that way, when the time does occur, when these changes do occur, your child will say, hey, I remember we had this conversation. I knew this was coming. Absolutely. And so you basically said, so it's just so important to start having this dialogue early. And one of the things I often suggest, just like you just said, using the proper terms, and I have to make light of this. I have so many friends, so many people come into the clinic, um, and it's, it's just, it's almost hilarious, and then I have to tell them, okay, let's use proper terms. But the little kid will come in and go, my la la, you know, dot, 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 or my cootie cat, they say all kind of things, my pocketbook, and the mom's like, her, uh, oh, what are some of those other terms, it's so many terms, and the little boys have all these different names, and they're so comfortable with saying those names, they have no problem, but when I say vagina, when I say penis, they go, oh, Oh, she said vagina. So guys, please, let's correct that. Let's flip the script and use the proper names. And the reason why is because it's the proper term, number one. Number two, they become comfortable over time using the proper terms. So as they grow into puberty, into adolescence, into adulthood, they're educated and they have no problem speaking about their bodies in the proper way. And God forbid something happens where they need to discuss their bodies, a discharge, a pain, a bump, or worst case scenario, abuse. They know exactly where it happened and can communicate that. Because you can't stand and give a record saying Lala and everyone can say, well, Lala could mean this and Lala could mean that. When, but when that child says my vagina, everyone knows what they're talking about. So there leaves no room for discussion or question. And then this all dissolves, as you said, dispels the mystery, the taboo, the stigma. And it also will help us get rid of the connection that you said earlier about puberty, development, body parts, and sexuality. They do not go together. Two different things has nothing to do with sex, okay? And a lot of people make though that connection and it, they are two different things. And it's up to our generation to kind of break that.
Absolutely. I totally agree. And then another thing is, can you talk about, well, one thing is, say, for instance, you said the age, I guess you said, were around five or six. Um, in my opinion, you can probably start earlier. You said something about when we teach our children's eyes, nose, even around two, depending on the speech of the child, eyes, nose. So why not say vagina? Go down from head to toe, they learn every body part. So why would you say eyes and nose, but you can't say vagina or penis? And you have to make up a funny name for that. It just doesn't fit. Right, it doesn't. And I think, you know, it is very important. As I mentioned, when we're bathing them as toddlers, we can bring that to their attention. When we're teaching our toddler boy, um, when we're potty training him, we, we're focusing on that. It's okay, make sure that you point your penis in a certain direction so you don't soil the bathroom. Um, I do think in that, in that sense, it's, um, it opens the door to have that conversation that some people, for some reason, are uncomfortable when you have these discussions. So these are things that we'll discuss at home. Um, that's right. there are parents who are not as open about these things with their children. And unfortunately, we have a society that has not come around to that. So we have children who are get in trouble or are disciplined at school because they refer to their body parts in the proper context. That is so true. Yes, it is. Yes, I've had that happen to my son. The teacher mentioned that he said penis. And I said, well, that's what it is. <laughs> And, Absolutely. and so even our teachers, every caregiver needs to be educated on empowering kids to use the right terms and also themselves being comfortable with that. Because from the beginning, even talking about privacy, help parents to uh, have that discussion about privacy with their kids and good and bad touch. So that does open that door that, you know, these are parts that we, that there are some things that we cover up. When we go to school every day, we don't go to school naked. We cover our body up because we understand that there are certain parts of our body that only are to be seen in private settings. Along those lines, there are certain parts of our body that we will only discuss in private. In private. That's right. Absolutely. And that's a discussion when your child gets ready to go to school, whether it's uh, pre-K, VPK, Head Start, or, you know, maybe they're just going for the first time to kindergarten. That's a discussion that you need to have with your child. That doesn't need to be new to them when they hit the school setting. They should know this is my private part. No one else should see it. No one else should, should touch it. It's just for me or my mom and dad to clean or discuss. Um, and then also with that, if someone does touch it, try to see it, uh, come into my private space, then that is not okay, and I need to discuss that with my mom or my dad. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that starts early. If you start that three, four, five, and they understand that. When I'm examining a child in the clinic and they're getting their well visit, um, probably around three and I get a lot of looks, but the parents always say, thank you. I get ready to examine the child's private part, and I say exactly that. Now, this is your private area. And the only reason, Dr. Jones, I'm getting 
a chance to look at it is because this is your physical exam. I need to make sure you're well and everything is normal on your whole body. Mommy's right here or daddy's right here and that's why this is okay. But if someone else tries to do this and mommy or daddy is not present, that's not okay and you need to let mommy or daddy know. And they go, okay, <laughs> so it's great. And the parent always says, oh, I didn't think about that. Or, oh, thank you. Or some of them say, oh, yeah, we have that discussion all the time. And so everyone needs to be having that discussion. And the babies yeah. need to know their body parts. So moving on, we're going to go through the book a little bit so, because okay. time is of the essence. This, I tell you guys, this is the cutest book. The, the girl's book is pink with hearts, and the boy's book is blue and green with stars. It, it, the illustrations are wonderful. Tell us a little bit about, so when I'm starting off in the first few pages, there's a little girl and um, she is basically kind of talking about the changes her body's going through. I love this page where she's equating her body odor to gym socks. Can you tell us, she's about seven or eight, she says. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, we have stages of pubertal development, or stages of puberty, and it begins when our children start noticing that they need a little deodorant. But as we know from sitting in rooms with little sweaty little girls and sweaty little boys that many times they don't realize that they need to clean a little better, um, clean them a little more consistently, and that they are going to need something to help them with their hygiene. That's the first stage of puberty. And because they have not encountered that before, it's an uh, eye-opener for them. Yes. Um, I, I, with the girl book, I note that the young lady notices herself, but in the boy book, the little boy doesn't notice at all because that tends to be reflective of how it is in, in real life, that the little boy gets smell like a trash can. And he, he never notices. Any idea. <laughs> they never notice their own smell. Dirty little boys. <laughs> but little girls, they tend to, uh, they tend to just wonder, hmm. What is that? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, um, so that's really the first part of the book is that these are the first changes that you'll notice from going from a little girl to a big girl, a little guy to a big guy, is that you'll notice that you start smelling a little differently after activity and you have to really pay attention to cleaning particularly yes. those areas of the body where sweat glands reside yes you know we can't just walk through the shower we have to actually stand there and get some good scrubbing in and you know parents need to initially help with this and just how dr adams pickett described it that's how you say to the child and you then you need to instruct them on the proper cleaning you have here this was the first time i met my hormones and you even put in parentheses how to pronounce hormones so kids know the proper pronunciations of these words you have sweat glands and pit uh, hormones and and it's so cute you have underarms with these different smells coming out and then she, the little girl says i had to really pay attention to cleaning myself in my bath and shower every day with special attention to the pesky underarms so it's so plainly written for children and fun and then she goes on to pick her deodorant and etc so th that this is just awesome we hope it is for most of the young ladies who encounter it 
And then you also, she's in the tub and she has a yikes face. And she says, even between my legs, the hormones were really kicking into high gear now. And you even talk about what we mentioned, how girls say cookie box, girlfriend, pocketbook, but it's the vagina. So, oh, parents, you have such help in this book to have this discussion with your kids. Um, so then what, what's the next stage? What's the next thing that the parents need to talk to their kids about? Kind of give them that anticipatory guidance of, okay, now this is happening and let's look, this is what's coming next. So then we talk about hair growth. Um, one anecdote I'd like to share, I used to do a volunteer work at a community clinic and, um, I was examining an eight year old who was, I think she was having some breast development and her mother brought her in for the breast development because she thought it was odd that she was having this development at the age of eight and it was not pronounced. Um, so I decided to do a full body exam and I asked mom to stay in the room with us. And so when mom noticed that the little girl had hair between her legs, she ran out of the room crying. Wow. She says, I didn't realize she had, quote, all of that going on. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. the little girl on the table, she looked so ashamed. Yes. sad. And so um, I brought that up because that's the next section of development. We start noticing hair, not just on our arms and not just on our legs, but underneath our arms and between the legs. Yes, and maybe mom felt bad because she hadn't noticed, but there again, have the conversation early. Monitor your kids cleaning, monitor their bodies, because it's gonna happen whether you try to ignore it or not. And it's not shameful. Your reaction matters. Stay cool, calm, and collected, and you be the one to educate your child, not be a part of the shaming process. There's nothing to be ashamed of, scared of, or there is no uh, taboo there. It's not about sex. I'll keep saying that. Yes, absolutely. It is not about sex. You know, this is what I tell parents when... um, particularly when we're trying to come up with something to help control their daughter's periods and they are very reluctant to say start some type of hormone therapy. I will say to them, if your child was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes, you would do whatever was necessary to control that diabetes. Right. If your child was was diagnosed with, with asthma, you would provide whatever medication necessary to help your child breathe better. That's correct. So if your child is having problems with her period and she's embarrassing herself every month because her period is so heavy or she's out of school every month because she is in such pain because of her, of her periods, why would you be neglectful in starting some type of medication to control that? That's right. And this is just a part of who she is. This is a part of growing. There you go. That's that's so helpful. And we do need to consider those uh, just, you know, it's what we see from our perspective, which is limited as parents. And sometimes we need to do a little bit more and not be afraid or ashamed of that. And it's not giving them permission to do anything wrong. It's not about sex. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. And, Absolutely. and then let's talk about breast development. So that's the um, section after the hair development. We talk about how um, 
usually about every two years we'll see a change and the next is breast development and how we'll start from just having to wear a training bra to maybe in a few months a sports bra to moving up to a fitted cup and usually those changes occur over a two-year period so we'll start with just those little breast buds and wearing the training bra and when I do a class here in Augusta for a little girl going through puberty and I'll have all of the different bras laid out across the table. Wow. And my um, my teenage daughter gives the class with me. Wow. We hold up we hold up the bras and we talk about usually at about what age you'll start each and I have pictures of the pro what your profile will look like as you have to move on up in the bra size. And again, I think just the children being armed with the information has, is very important. I have had a number of mothers come to me later and say, you know, um, Jordan walked up to me and said, hey, I think it's time for me to move up to a sports bra like Miss Donna. Wow. It makes it so much more relaxing for them and makes it such a little deal and not such a big deal that we're making it out to be. Right, yeah. absolutely. And I love that I love that you have lumps, bumps and rumps. So cute. So cute. I just love it. And you show here the different bra sizes. You even show a breast, anatomical breast with tissue and how the inside of the breast would look. This is awesome. And then you talk about how girls are growing taller and that everyone will be different sizes, different heights. And so that gets to comparisons because a lot of kids feel a certain way because maybe they're developing earlier, maybe um, people are noticing that because kids always compare. Again, it has nothing to do with sex and with the boys noticing it either, but kids are always comparing. Um, and so they notice when someone else gets breast or has on a bra or something like that. So prepare your child for that and let them know everybody's different. Everybody's, someone's taller, shorter, someone has breast already, someone doesn't. It's okay. Wait till your turn. So how do you approach that? Well, and that one is that's actually a, a little paragraph and illustration in the book that, and it shows girls of all different sizes. And that's one thing that we mentioned in the book and I also mentioned in the classes that your development will differ from one person to the uh, to the next. Your friend may develop a little faster than you or a little slower than you, and that's okay. That's what makes us all different. We all don't look the same as we're walking through the mall. Everyone doesn't look exactly the same. Everyone looks a little different. Our development will differ as well. That's right. And then flowing right along. And I guess I know you guys can guess what that is, but you say on flow, time of the month, the big P. But what is the real term that we need to teach our children? It is menses. Menses. And I can't tell you how many grown women when um, they come in for their annual exam and I'll ask them about their menstruation. And I do that deliberately. I, I know that for many of them, they are unfamiliar with that term, but I want them to know that term. Because you're a model. You're a model. Yes. Absolutely. So when they are, you know, if they have to call their insurance company, 
or even if they, they're having problems with their menses and they have to call out sick from work. There you go. They don't want to have to say my period or if something's happening there. You know, when you're very matter-of-fact and scientific about it, people will pick up their cues from you. Yes, that is so true. Right. And so you take the reader through the experience of the menses and how they need to clean and what items they need to use to to um, keep themselves um, from having accidents. Uh, you even have a nice uh, anatomical drawing here of the uterus, the fallopian tubes, the ovaries. This is just awesome. So girls will know all oh, that's going on inside of me that's there. And the whole process of why you have menses, what's the purpose. And you take a nice pause before you get to procreation. <laughs> and I, I'm assuming that you're going to write a book about that. <laughs> That's right. I love it. I love that you did that. That was deliberate. You know, and I'll have um, moms who will come to the classes or they'll flip through the book quickly because they want to make sure that we're not approaching that subject yet. But on occasion, I'll have parents who will say, well, I was hoping you would just go ahead and tell them everything. Yeah, go ahead and do my job. Because <laughs> I don't want to have that talk. And, and then I have that conversation with them, as I mentioned, that no, I don't want them to associate this, puberty, having periods, wearing bras, needing proper hygiene with now, I can have sex, I may have sex, it has nothing to do with sexuality. I want them to approach it the same way they would if we would with our hair turning gray. There you go. It's just a part of normal progression. Yeah, and it's not about the boys. It's not about the boys because they're having their own issues going on. <laughs> this absolutely. is absolutely. <laughs> you know, the other thing is that I wanted to make sure that they knew exactly what was happening to their body um, because. When I, I did a, a radio segment for a um, radio show not that long ago, and the hostess said, you know, gosh, there's some things in here I didn't know. Many women don't know the whole process between their ovaries releasing the egg, that egg sitting there for a couple of days, that egg has to be fertilized, and if it's not fertilized, then the bed for the egg falls off, and that's why we have our periods. I want our children to know exactly the whole cycle. Um, they think their quote menstrual cycle is just a few days that they're bleeding. That's and right. I want them to have that concept of knowing that you no, know, it is the entire month. It is the whole process. And that's just a, a few days, right? Yes. And then you talk about menstrual cramps, ways to treat and make yourself feel better. Um, you talk about hygiene, which we mentioned before um, in dealing with your um, menstruation. And you talk about sanitary pads, tampons, and you even dispel a myth because so many people think, when I get my menstrual, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do that. And you have one big example here about, can I go swimming during my period? And I, I want to put that information there because I can't tell you how many times um, I have seen it as a parent um, chaperoning events or 
maybe a patient, a younger patient has come in and said, well, our family was scheduled to go to the beach, but I couldn't go swimming because I was having my period. And, um, you know, or I am chaperoning an event and I'll see some child sitting on the side because she's having her period. And, you know, I want, I like to go ahead and dispel that myth early and um, and then when we do the classes, we actually teach the young ladies how to insert tampons. I always recommend the parents to get like a little Nerf ball, those little sponge Nerf balls, place a little slice in the middle with a, a sharp knife, and then have their daughter practice inserting the tampon into the Nerf ball so that they have some familiarity with that. Um, but yes, they can go swimming. Yes, and I know there are some... I know when this airs, there are going to be some parents who cringe at what we, what you just said, because there are so many myths or, or beliefs that if you are a virgin or if you have never had sexual intercourse, you cannot insert a tampon. Um, again, I had one parent um, who was sitting in on one of the classes, and when we um, came to the area area where we were about to start teaching the girls about tampons. The mother said, well, Dr. Pickett, I didn't think we were going to do all of that today. And then I stopped and I asked her, was her daughter active in dance or sports or anything like that? And she mentioned that her daughter was a cheerleader. And I shared with her another unfortunate story. That we all have had, probably. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. And I had a patient who was a basketball player. Yes. Her mother would not allow her to wear tampons. Right. And she was running the basketball court um, in, in a game, and her pad fell off. That happens so often. Of a game. I witnessed that one as a high school basketball player. That is so embarrassing. It is embarrassing. And when I shared that with her, with the mother, um, and I said, would you want that to be your daughter? And she said, no, go right ahead and do what you were doing. There you I go. Again. We, we have to separate puberty from sexuality. There you go. We would, not, we would not hesitate to buy our child deodorant. Why should we hesitate to give them a tampon? That's right. And, um, and you can put that tampon in and jump right into the ocean or the swimming pool and you'll be just fine. That's right. Or, or run down that basketball court or do that um, cheerleading tumble or do that dancer jeté without being concerned for embarrassment. Right. And then you sort of sum up the book with a nice calendar. And I guess the message there is for children, once they start their menstruation, to keep track and know when you've had your period and, and you know, kind of start to develop a sense of when it's going to come, which would eliminate or help you with accidents. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yes. So what I have um, in the book is um, exactly how to track the number of days that you will typically have between periods. The advantage of that is that too often, because our moms were still trying to baby our girls, they'll say, I'll tell her when her period is going to come. And I try to discourage that with moms because I want the girls to have the ownership over their own body. That's right. And they can, they can plan their lives um, you know, if they know that they have a big exam that week of their period and they typically have menstrual cramps, then they can prepare accordingly. 
they know they have a dance competition the week of their period. Um, they know that. They can. They are in charge of that. Um, and it makes them, again, more comfortable with it. This is a normal fact of my life. This is just something else that I have to factor into the equation of what's important for me. And um, it gives them some degree of empowerment. There you go. Absolutely. Now, the last thing I want to ask you about is something that I see over and over again, and it has actually happened to me, and I'm sure all parents with kids who have play dates and hang out together, there's a point where kids of uh, both sexes, boys and girls, are playing together, and they're friends. You may have a boy and a girl who are best friends and growing up together. And then when puberty hits, any sign, breast buds, hair, anything, anything hits, you see a separation. Um, and I don't necessarily agree with that, but should girls and boys separate at the point of puberty? Why should the girl, it's mainly the girl, has to go into a bubble, all of a sudden now she has to tiptoe around boys, all of a sudden she can't play flag football or wrestle or do anything that would uh, put her in a situation where a boy may touch her breast. Um, why should all of a sudden as parents say, protect herself, or I don't understand it. So do you agree with that? And what could you say to a parent to help them to get out of this belief? I think it, it goes back to the underlying thing that we've discussed throughout today, um, this conversation that it's not about sexuality, it's not about sex. If your daughter became taller than her male friend all of a sudden, and they were both fine, you would not discourage them playing together and spending time with each other. I think, you know, again, we've always had, hopefully, have had conversations with our children about what is to make, make, remain private, and that doesn't change. That's right. Um, I think that we should just remove that stigma of sexuality from that cloud of sexuality away from our puberty. There you go. Because we're changing in one way doesn't mean that we're changing completely. And just imagine how awful the little girl feels. Why all of a sudden I can't play with Johnny? Well, because you have to protect yourself. You have breasts now, and now you're automatically stigmatizing, making her feel shameful about that her body is changing, which is a beautiful, normal process. And so, like you said, I just want to say that one more time. You're teaching privacy, private parts, good and bad touch so much earlier you're having that discussion three four five okay they already know i go to the bathroom private this is my private part no one touches it no one sees it if that happens i'm telling good and bad touch so at the point of puberty eight nine ten they're comfortable and strong in that so they should be able to play with their guy friends they still can hang with the boys, do boy stuff, and they shouldn't all of a sudden be separated from their siblings who are boys or their friends. Let them have fun, relax. If there's an accidental touch, your child should know, that was an accident, he didn't touch my breast on purpose. You know, but if someone is doing something inappropriate, cause boys will try to pop the bra straps and things of that nature, that's maybe inappropriate. You tell them you're not comfortable when you let someone know. But still, they shouldn't be separated. Would you agree with that? I do. I do. I do. And I think, again, that that's a mindset that we as a culture, we need to learn how to um, reset that just because those changes are occurring there does not change the individual. 
There you go. So to wrap up, can you uh, tell everyone how to get these great, I feel bad that we didn't get to Buddy's Big Guy Guidebook. It's awesome in and of itself. I would get both because girls can also learn about boys and they won't feel alone and feel like they're the only ones going through this stuff. So get both um, and have it in your home, in your library. They're great gifts for people. Um, and it's, it's awesome. You really need to see these books. So tell everybody how to get the books and plug the books. Well, thank you so much for that opportunity. They can be purchased from Amazon. Um, if you go on www.amazon.com and you can search under the title name of Buddy's Big Guy Guidebook or Big Sis's Guide to Growing Up. Or you can search for my name as author, um, Donna Adams-Pickett, P-I-C-K-E-T-T, and both books will come up. Generally, if you search for one, the other will come up as a recommended uh, choice. And um, I would appreciate your support. I have found this to be very helpful for many pediatricians. I've had a number of pediatricians purchase them for our children in their offices. Um, but I've also had a number of Girl Scout and Boy Scout groups um, purchase them for their troops. And um, a few elementary school guidance counselors who have used it for Absolute. their Absolutely. That's children. awesome. So I think this would be a great resource for you. Absolutely. I second that emotion. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Adams Pickett, for coming on today. Um, you will hear from her again in the future, especially when she does the, the sex book. <laughs> or, we'll just, or we'll just bring you back anyway and pick your brain about that because I think you have a knack for making this simple, making this matter of fact, down to earth, relatable, fun, um, where people can understand it. And we need to break those myths and that mentality especially in the African-American community, um, you know, for everyone. But all I can speak to is my community, and we, we need to stop this stuff and relax with our kids and teach them the right way and let go of our own baggage and the lack of information we had growing up. Um, teach them so they're empowered and equipped and can communicate effectively. So thank you again so much, and have a great day. I'm amazed that you didn't get called. <laughs> God was on our side. But ha but have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Look forward to coming back. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's all for today. Thank you guys for listening as usual. That was a great talk. I mean, I have goosebumps on my arms. I hope it is so helpful for parents, for caregivers, for teachers. I hope it's helpful for the kids. Get the books. The books are awesome. Um, and follow me, soundcloud.com forward slash kidding around with Dr. Candace. Link to the social media pages, Facebook, Twitter. Follow me there. Um, I keep you updated on what's coming. Um, make sure you hit the heart for the talks. If you like it, leave me comments. If you have any questions, you want to email me, kiddingaroundwithdrcandice at gmail.com. 
Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day, and we'll talk soon. All my life, you stood by me when no one else was ever behind me. All these lights, they can't blind me. With your love, nobody can drag me. All my life, you stood by me when no one else was ever behind me. Drag me down